welcome to It's The Vibe, a podcast produced by Talent International and centred around no bullshit conversations with business leaders and innovators where we dig into all facets of company culture. I'm your host, Ian Tyler, and I'm Talent's Group Chief Strategy Officer. So why are we doing this? Well, at Talent, our vision is empowering people to build a better world of work for all. And what we want to do is support and educate businesses, big and small, and how they can actually do their part. We want to share insights, stories, and real-life experiences from business leaders and experts and employee engagement, communication, D&I, and a whole lot more. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about retention and engagement and the fact that it's about a little bit more than a contract. And I'm really delighted to be joined by the Managing Director and VP of Yahoo Australia, New Zealand, India and Southeast Asia, Paul Sigaloff. Before we welcome him, allow me to tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul has over two decades of experience in the media industry across the UK and Australia and works across brands such as Channel 4, Fairfax Media, Yahoo 7 and Verizon Media Group. He's now working under the Yahoo name again after the recent acquisition of Verizon Media across Australia and New Zealand by the Apollo Group earlier this year. Despite the numerous changes that Yahoo has gone through over the past few years, the team has stayed incredibly loyal with some very impressive tenures, awards and external recognition. To say that Paul is the right person to be talking to about the shifting sands around retention and engagement with some very impressive initiatives such as corporate social responsibility and their culture force program would be an understatement. Paul, welcome. Good morning, Ian. It's lovely to see you and it's great to be here. Excellent. Um, I really appreciate your time and you, you know, you've, you've really been generous with this and, and investing some time with us today. And as, as I kind of went through with the um, introduction there, um, you know, you guys have been on a real journey um, and you've seen a lot of change in your business and your brand. You've got a very, very exciting chapter ahead of you guys. So can you just kind of talk to us a little bit about what the last two years have been like um, as you've been on this kind of uh, this journey from Verizon Media and now into this next new fresh chapter around Yahoo? Absolutely. Look, um, so the exact summary is Verizon Media acquired AOL and Yahoo, uh, probably best part of about three years ago, and spent time integrating those two businesses. And Verizon Media was created, which is all about connecting people to their passions. And we do that through our trusted content uh, connections and commerce. And what we um, realized through that was that not only did we return to growth um, as a business, but we also um, plugged into Verizon's enormous ecosystem. And it was apparent that they were doubling down and making some huge investments in 5G and bandwidth and infrastructure. But actually, whilst we were fueling enormous growth, we actually needed more investment and uh, a partner and an owner that really understood and wanted to propel our business. And so we uh, embarked on a journey and found a new owner in Apollo. Um, so that's all pretty recent. And um, that acquisition completed uh, about three weeks ago. Um, we've now got a new CEO who started last Monday, in uh, Jim Lanzone, uh, and it's been uh, great to, to meet him. And we're now sort of re-energized and 
just coming off the, our fourth quarter of double-digit growth globally. Mm. We've had tremendous growth across um, Australia, New Zealand, and, and, and the APAC region. Um, it's really exciting to be on this next chapter. We've gone from a, obviously a privately owned um, business to a, sorry, a publicly owned business to a privately owned business, and it's it's super exciting around you know re-engineering what we're doing, continuing on that amazing trajectory, and mm. we're super excited about um, the next steps. Mm, yeah, it's really exciting time. It really is. I mean, obviously, there's a partner of yours as well, and and just watching this from afar and being ingrained around all the uh, kind of ebbs and flows that you guys have had. Is, this is a, a very very exciting chapter. So, you know, firstly, congratulations, uh, and secondly, I'm really really excited about the future, which is great. And I, I, I now want to just kind of kind of bring that down a layer and start to think about um, when you when when we get into um, what the, the the journey that the business has been on, then we start to think about the people within that business because ultimately that's that's really what it's all about. And when we think about learnings around some of the things that may have surprised you um, over, let's say, the last two years, given what everybody's been going through all around the world, what would some of those kind of surprises or learnings be that you've really seen around people's engagement, how the team is held together, um, and that kind of discretionary effort, which tends to really creep in when there's times of, of change. Yeah, great question. And I think in terms of learnings, it's really uh, confirmed that people truly are the lifeblood of our business. And had you asked the question to, you know, two years ago, could we run our business working from home remotely <laughs> with all of the disruptions um, that we've encountered and the headwinds? I would have said categorically, no way, or we could have, but there would have been material business impact. Mm. And you fast forward to current current time and you look at the amazing achievements that we've had, um, unprecedented growth, amazing customer sentiment, incredible internal employee engagement at a time where, you know, people are navigating a lot, both professionally and personally. And mm. that has absolutely, you know, blown me away. So I, I kind of tried to think around what, well, why have we kind of been on that journey and have we delivered those results? And it ultimately comes down to strategy. I think, you know, we've been super clear on, you know, where we're heading as a business, mm -hmm. um, ultimately where the different teams and functions feed into that strategy. And then most importantly, individually, how people, when they wake up in the morning and they engage in their, their working world and life, um, how their role fits into that overarching success. So I feel that that's been um, really, really important. And obviously strategy is evolving. And, uh, you know, when we pressure test it and we re-engineer it, um, we've always had that people first approach. And I think that has certainly been um, essential and underpinning all of that is we try to be human and helpful in yeah. everything we do and just kind of play what's in front of us rather than, you know, pretend it's not happening and, and be really authentic about the everyday um, that we're all facing. Mm, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting point. And when we were, were chatting just before, you know, talking about people leaning into their roles, people leaning into their actual uh, daily habits of, of work, um, and you you made a comment to me which was, you know, they're, they're kind of all in. Like uh, there's there's there is a line certainly that's blurred between um, work and life, of course. But when the work's interesting, when they're actively engaged when they're excited about the people the the, the projects the content um 
or even the subject matter that they're you know they're working in and around, um, they do become all in. I think anybody does, and I feel that more so now, um, people's choices to say. I'm comfortable blurring the line between work and life because I'm passionate about the thing that I'm doing. That kind of sense of work um, and that sense of wanting to do more, that discretionary effort component, I think is there, um, you know, unquestionably uh, that I've seen from speaking to lots of different businesses, but also in our own company as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um Let's let let's talk about what some of the things are that you guys have done specifically um, to kind of help people um, along the way, and you know, do more listening. And you, what, what is it specifically that uh, that you've done over this period of time that has that you feel has added value to to people and also lifted engagement? Yeah, I think first up, it's really just understanding where people are on their current journey and. Um, you, you touched about, you know, people being all in. I say, yeah, don't don't lean in, fall in. And we've mm. certainly observed that. And, and that's been wonderful to see. But, you know, off the off the back of that, you've got to navigate that carefully with um, burnout. And here's a frightening statistic, mm. but one in five Australians um, encounter a mental health challenge. So, you know, that's 20 percent of, of people. So on our journey, we haven't had a productivity issue at all. But I've been concerned about connection, human connection, mm. and energy and maintaining mm. energy. So for me, it's been about education, 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 just talking about, you know, um, how and what we can do in terms of best working practices. Uh, we've been on a big journey with uh, mental, mentally healthy accreditation. So we've had a third mm. of our business accredited now, which is really, really important, removing the stigma away from that. And I think uh, prevention is better than cure in that regard. Mm, uh, and then 100%. having some really good conversations. So we have this real talk series that we've created, which is a great way again in a in a lockdown um, world to get people to jump on and just listen to interesting topics and conversations. Um, so, you know, Banish Burnout was a course we did. We then mm. talked about burnout, when to suspect it, how to correct it, really tried to dial up self care and mindfulness and what are the kind of tips and tricks that we've all kind of engaged on. And for me, I love a walking meeting. You know, it, mm. it's really important to, you know, I try, I'll try and do at least one a day. Um, that's mm. super important. Another initiative that we've done is kind of like light meeting Friday, where it's kind of like, let's not have any internal meetings. Totally appreciate there's a lot of external client um, activity, but let's ensure that, you know, we're dialing down and understanding what people need and where they're at. As I say, we don't have a productivity problem. So it's how mm. do you inject the energy, um, do all the fun stuff that everybody's doing, but we've done a whole series on work-ins as well. So, you know, getting, making sure people can do exercise and be energized mm. um, and just having, having some fun and as much fun as you can have through a screen. And I think we've all um, tested that and pushed that to its <laughs> limit. So I think the in yeah. real life option is, is preferred, but we've certainly, yeah. uh, move the needle on the on the screen fun activities as well yeah yeah absolutely and there is a bit of that and um throughout the series of this podcast just talking to different business leaders from different parts of the world and you know it is fair to say the the fatigue around the little square on the on the screen um is a, a global um phenomena that is just broadly accepted of um we, we're kind of all over it now um you know there's only so much you can do um 
It's interesting, though, and this kind of conjures up a question in my mind, certainly when you think about organisations that have worked hard to not only attract um, and and hire and onboard in the best possible way um, people that they're still continuing to bring into the organisation and that connectivity between being culturally ingrained in the business and that feeling of connection to the company and loyalty to the company. It's hard to hard to kind of put a measure on it when you physically haven't met people in your team, you haven't pressed the flesh, you haven't had the social beer o'clock, you haven't had those kind of um, personal one-on-one interactions, but yet you've built bond through these types of interactions where, you know, you are the small segment of a square and a screen. Um, do you have a, a view or a comment or a, an insight around that? What's, what's your sense on, on that kind of situation? Yeah, it's super interesting, isn't it, when you think we've had a lot of people join our business that actually haven't met people, you know, in real life. They haven't done that induction in the office where, mm. you know, they've picked up their, their laptop, they've then sat in, in meetings and had a long list of, of one-to-ones and got an overview of, of the business and the strategy in real life. Um, but that said, uh, you know, you've got to quantify success through our employee engagement scores, which have, have gone up. And again, that's been a very pleasant surprise. I think as as a leader, one of my quotes is feedback's a gift. And mm. uh, I've always been a big fan of, of running employee engagement scores uh, across the business. I've had other CEOs I've worked for that have said, you know, we know the results are bad. Why on earth would you want to run a survey? But I'm completely <laughs> opposed to that view. And I think we're continually yeah. trying to improve and learn. But um, to your question, uh, I've managed to build some really strong relationships with people that I haven't met in real life. And I think it depends on the activities that you do with them um, through some of the pitches that we've worked on, through some of the, the collaboration we've done in, in filming um, and, and different things and strategy and projects that we've worked on. And, and I think that's kind of been a delightful surprise. Uh, obviously, it will be quite strange when you do actually get to see them in, in real life. And mm. I look forward to that. Um, mm. But, yeah, I certainly have missed the, the corridor conversations enormously. Yeah. And, you know, you look at your diary and you, you meet lots of people with meetings that have been scheduled, but you don't have those sort of nice bump in moments where you can chat about things and, mm. you know, what's been going on in their worlds. It's much harder to recreate that um, in a digital mm. environment as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. A, a funny little anecdote for you. There's somebody uh, in our team who um, is not the tallest individual, but what this person has been saying to everybody, you know, they're, they're, you're going to get the real shock when you meet me because I'm six foot two and I believe she's actually only about four foot nine. Um, <laughs> so it would be, be quite an interesting one to see in that corridor interaction and conversation. Um, quite funny. Um, let, let, let's, let's think about um, now in that. So we attract uh, people to the business. They, um, we, through productivity, through activity, through making sure that there is that level of engagement. Um, let, let's kind of have a bit of a conversation around remuneration and compensation. Um, there is always this or has always been this kind of notion of to have really good and well-engaged employees that stay long and perform better, they're usually well compensated. So in your view, as it relates to compensation and sorry, to retention and um, employee engagement, 
Where do you say compensation fits specifically for for you or within your leadership team? Yeah, look, that's a it's a really good question, and those people that have worked for me um, know because I talk about this. I always my my kind of phrase is: Are you learning? Are you earning? And are you having fun? Um, so let's chunk that down a little bit. And I think from a learning perspective, it's really about we've shifted. Yeah, we used to be in a, a fixed growth mindset where in order to be the boss or to be senior, you had uh, a skill and you would hone that over years and you'd ultimately be the best you could be at that and uh, you'd get to the top of top of your game. And now we're much more in this kind of permanent growth mindset. So mm. it's so important um, from a learning and development perspective to you know understand where people are, are at, what great courses can we you know um, create for them, whether it's building their brand, whether it's around, you know, um, courageous leadership, uh, or it could be things around burnout, which could be really, mm-hmm. really real and, and something that people are navigating. Then we kind of look at the earning bucket. Uh, and look, I think you've always got to do your market due diligence, work with great partners such as yourself to benchmark uh, and make sure that, you know, you can construct competitive remuneration packages and benefits. But let's be realistic. If money was the sole reason people came to work, I think most people could probably always leave a job to earn more money elsewhere. Yeah. So it's not just about hard cash in isolation. You need to evaluate the impact that you're having on your business. Um, what's your career progression? Is it vertical? Is it horizontal? Mm. Um, you know, what's your, 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 your personal equity in the business? What do your leaders think of you, the friendships you've got? Mm. And something that we're really big on as well is, um, being a purpose-driven company and so kind of fusing that corporate social responsibility and the passion that people have to have a positive impact on the world society and people and also being brilliant at their job and um, going back to that employee engagement it's been fascinating to watch how that's really scaled and grown enormously over the last three years and particularly Mm -hmm. during the last sort of 20 months when we've been in lockdown so uh, i think that's the way i would approach approach that you need to be competitive but if that's your only USP, I don't think you'll hold on to people very, for very long. Oh, 100%, 100%. I mean, I said it to a CEO of another business who was to, talking to me about why somebody within their organization wouldn't quite be ready for this next move. And when we unpacked that, it was, well, you need to provide job stretch and job growth. So where is this individual going to get that if you're saying that they haven't got that in their natural next step? Why wouldn't you provide that in terms of learning and development and then engage that individual in different facets of the business that they haven't had exposure to, which is where you feel they need to close the gap? Because it, what, what a crying shame if people feel that for me to grow in an organization, I have to leave. Um, you know, and as, as you run yeah. some, and if people, if people join for money, they'll leave for money. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's, you've got to get and, the balance and- right. Yeah, and on that, you know, I've been looking at people's career visions, and that's an interesting dynamic, but certainly observations, again, when people are very more senior, they spend a lot of time looking after their teams, but maybe not enough time focusing on themselves. So running through what is their career vision, and and a career vision is much more holistic. It's not just about your job. It's about your family. It's about where you want to live. It's about always, I suppose, living the life you've always imagined. And making and keeping yourself honest to that so it's been a really fruitful exercise that i've done for myself personally but also working with my leadership team on on their respective career visions as well uh, mm. and then trying to build and and you know 
um, ensure that we're kind of you know addressing some of the areas that are really important to them individually mm. as well. I'm, I'm going to kind of throw something out there now because the more I think about it, um, I may it may sound like I contradict myself, but I've got a reason as to why I'm not. I'll, I'll throw this to you just out of curiosity, based on what we we're just talking about around job stretch, job growth, and people not wanting to um, or it'd be a crying shame if people left a business to get growth. But it, it talks to the heart of turnover. So, and I, I have my own view on this, um, which is supportive, which is, do you think that there is such a thing as healthy turnover in businesses? I would say yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, and that might sound contrary to what we were just talking about but for me you know you've got to understand the the market dynamics so if we just double click on australia um mm. it's a really competitive market and you know that's we've all read articles around the great resignation uh, which apparently is taking place at the moment and i read this yeah. wonderful article by a guy called richard tabakawala and uh, he said the grass may be greener on the other side because it's fertilizer bullshit um, and, uh, I, I love that quote. Um, look, so I think I think there's value in um, actually, you know, having a, having a fruitful career. And let's be honest, we all work for a long time, and sometimes people forget that. Um, certainly at the uh, formative parts of their career, and at some point, you've got to put in some some good time in businesses. But what's really interesting is, as I've started to look after, you know, countries across Asia Pacific where they've got very different dynamics and they've had next to no staff churn. And so you've got super senior people um, that have had a lack of progression because no one's left and they're operating at quite junior roles. And, you know, for me, I've come in and it's, it's great in some ways because, again, they've got great skills with their craft, but the business needs diversity of thought. It needs mm. fresh thinking, energy, mm. a new perspective. And when you get zero churn, it's amazing just on, on, a, on a video call, when we did bring in uh, a new individual in a, in a country, the energy was palpable. Everyone kind mm. of lifted their game yeah. and it was, mm. it was really great to see. And um, I think that further kind of, you know, confirmed my view on that. Um, mm. But it is interesting when you overlay that with the cultural dynamics because different countries, different markets have got, you know, very different um, rhythms of work and so yeah i don't ever think we would you know sit here in australia and go oh that's you know that's not an option we're always going to have a level of churn but certainly in yeah. other countries um there's yeah. a much bigger you know much bigger challenge there yeah no there is and you're absolutely right you know there's you, you think about different markets where even today this notion of changing jobs um think about japan for example um, and the way that, the, you know, the, the, the cultural um, notion around changing jobs and the perception of that isn't as westernized in its thinking. However, there are ways in which certainly large corporations, some of the most successful on the planet, um, that are, you know, created and, and formed and scaled from Japan, that, that they find ways of working that do promote cognitive diversity, that do promote um, agile ways of thinking and doing um, that do give people those job stretch and job growth um, opportunities. But um, it, it, it's it's really interesting for me because again, when we when I talk to lots of different businesses, just to see how some people's um, mindsets are around uh, churn. 
Um, churn is a bad thing uh, because it doesn't look great statistically. Um, and we don't like that stat, so we don't talk about that stat, so let's avoid it and move on. Whereas to everything that you've just said, which I'm a complete and utter um, supporter of, um, there are many businesses who just don't think that way, which is a, a crying shame, I think, certainly for people in within those businesses as well. Um, yeah. So and, and look, I think, I, yeah, I think the exit interview is a very telling interview as well, so you can really understand why people are leaving and people should always be honest throughout their career but there's definitely an honesty pill and there's one foot out the door um and i think you can yeah. really capture uh important things so going back to you know listening and understanding i think that can be really valuable um the other thing is just succession planning as well and just having really strong mm -hmm. bench strength um because it does create and provide opportunity and there have certainly been instances where I've worked where you lose a key member of the team, but wow, you've just uncovered an absolute rock star that yeah. you, you knew, but you didn't quite realize the, the true level of capability. And, and that as well is enormously gratifying and energizing as a leader um, to be able to do that and um, reward someone for, for you know, their dedication and commitment to your business as well. Mm, yeah, in, indeed. There's, um, you touched on something there around um, exit interviews. Um, through one of our other podcasts, um, we were having a conversation and we touched on the concept of exit interviews. Um, but this particular organization, um, Zip, uh, Zip, Zip Money, um, with Jennifer Mumford, who's chief of staff over there, she, she kind of flips it on his head and it's like we always have stay interviews. So we collect data and we act on that data and that information. So it goes into feedback loops that we are collecting through certain conversations that are onboarding as well as offboarding through exit but then we have regular um stay interviews so as we check in on are we actually kind of walking the talk if you will which i think is a really interesting notion that um, they become almost like interval based hr or people in culture or one up or um, hiring manager plus one relationships, which are all about stay interviews. To your your concept that you were talking previously about, um, how, when you've got uh, people in an organisation, they move, and then you see the rock star that stop, steps up. How do you build that connective tissue between you and that 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 report that is, you know, CEO or MD minus two or three, um, to get that exposure and seeing them. Um, playing their game and, and performing well. It's um, I, I really like the notion of the the, the stay interview concept um, over and above the exit interview. Yeah, no, I mean, again, prevention is better than cure, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, skip meetings help. We currently do, you know, um, our, our pulse surveys twice twice yearly, which you could argue maybe isn't frequent enough, but that obviously provides an opportunity. Um, but then I think it's, again, it goes back to culture, doesn't it? And, and mm. how formal one is as a business versus, you know, the ability to just go and have um, meaningful conversations and chats. And I think, you know, much easier again to do in, in, in real life when you're around people and you can actually sense check and, and talk more readily. Um, harder to do when you're not physically bumping into to different people in the office. But yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a, a wonderful concept and, uh, mm. you know, something we may steal with pride. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the purpose of this. You know, if there's nuggets of gold for everybody to learn from them, let's share them broadly. Um, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to get your view on something because given you just touched on the pulse surveys and obviously there's the engagement surveys that you run as well. Um, do you think there's a myth around this? And this is uh, where I'm going with this is, is I, I kind of want to understand your view uh, personally and professionally here that because we're going to measure engagement, therefore it will increase. Um, I think there's a lot of myth around that. It's time-consuming. There's a bit of science in there, but all I've got to do is go and have a couple of conversations with people, and I can tell you exactly what's going on in the business. So do we really need to go through this survey of 50 questions that's going to take people offline? You know, there's these myths around it for people that don't know or don't care. What's, what's your view on that? Look, I am a huge advocate of you know engagement and measuring employee engagement i think as i mentioned earlier feedback's a gift mm. and i think there's a couple of, of reasons for that um firstly i've had and worked for ceos that hadn't believed in it and you know they mm. said siggy you know the results are bad of course we know they're bad why do we need to measure it and and you know substantiate it what's because we obviously need to understand why it's bad and, and where the problems are and what are the measures and actions we can put in place to fix it um, so I think it's getting people to have confidence in the tool and realize that, you know, those, those comments are there for a reason. Um, they're not there. We're not going to persecute people for it. It's actually about understanding and through learning and listening, we can then put in place, um, new measures and actions to improve some of the, the challenges or perceived challenges. Mm. And having done this for, you know, you know, decade and a half. The, the good news is the vast majority of things that you're solving for are relatively simple, um, mm. but it's about holding people accountable. And that's, you know, when I think about our success criteria um, for a business, there's only five things that we measure, you know, our success on, and that would be around revenue, um, you know, our, our consumer audience growth. Then it's all about our customer sentiment uh, and how we're performing. And then when we sort of double click on people, there's the employee engagement part, which is, super important and is cascaded in everyone's KPIs. And then it's our, our social, our corporate social responsibility program or our purpose-driven business uh, and really having a, a material impact on that. And, you know, it's such a powerful tool. Um, it's also really important to benchmark, not just against, you know, our own performance internally across different, different countries and regions, but also globally as well. Mm. Uh, and, um, against different companies in in different sectors, because you, you might think you're doing a fabulous job, and then you, you benchmark that data, and you're like, oh, okay, we we have some room for growth and improvement. Yeah. There. Um, but I yeah. think those things are fun, and as a leader, it's something that I do. I, I actually, when we get the results, I sit down and and talk to each and every team about the results and where we are with with the with the functional leader, um, mm -hmm. and then we have an active conversation around you know the areas that that could be improved on or or the areas where there may have maybe some some criticism or or negative sentiment and and just table it and, and workshop it and solve for it um mm. so i think it's it's such a powerful tool and i was a little bit concerned um after the first lockdown and then moving into the second lockdown where you know i felt a lack of connection with people even though we do our best efforts to do that and i was blown away pleasantly 
uh, and surprised that the engagement results were actually, you know, materially improved period on period. So, you know, it goes back to that being human and helpful in everything mm. we do and, and really trying to understand where people are. Um, and actually there's a time for, for driving results in the bottom line and there's a time for people. And, and actually a lot of the time the output of, of profitability, you know, is really the output of all of the great work that people are doing. And, and they're certainly doing it in their spades, even though um, that hasn't necessarily been the direct focus of, of the job in hand. It's been a wonderful mm. outcome to see. So, yeah, happy consequence. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I would like to, as I do with all of these sessions, I'd like to kind of say, you know, Siggy's top three or whatever it might be. So for our listeners out there that are um, maybe starting an organization and, and starting to think about, okay, I had an idea, I had a concept, I'm now of a, a team of 10 and we're about to go to a team of 50. Or conversely, it might be an organization that's a thousand and has lost a little bit of control on where do I go and how do I listen? What would be kind of Siggy's top three um, kind of nuggets of gold or recommendations for, you know, employee engagement and retention and the, the, the world according to Siggy? Um, look, great question. I think first up is think about your career vision and there are some great, you know, courses that you can just jump on through through LinkedIn and and just there are there are sort of ten questions that you should ask be asking yourself and and that might really help inform not just the role that you're doing now but actually maybe two or three roles ahead, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is so important to have that longer term view. So you know, again, it's not just co- progression for the next role but the next three roles and what are the things I can do now. Um, I think another thing I would do is try and seek out a mentor and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a, a really formal scheme, but if there's someone you respect or, or like uh, or speak to your current, you know, boss about, you know, this is something you're interested in, is there someone in the business they could recommend? I, I think that's really important. I think a fresh perspective uh, is key on that. Um, and, and the third thing would be be curious, ask questions, mm-hmm. don't lose that curiosity um and and you know be be a little bit courageous as well um because there's so much to learn there's so much to do and i think curiosity is going to be key for any role that you do and and i think in enhance that and embrace that because that's going to be a really important thing uh throughout mm. your career um and uh yeah just just dial that up mm. yeah uh, fantastic I, I i couldn't agree with you more um i i'll i'll say this as well um Throughout this current series, um, I've had conversations with leaders in corporate communications, DE&I, employer branding, um, and, and really getting into the heart of culture. The one consistent thread in all of it, um, and my crass summary is, go and give your people a bloody good listening to. Communication, right? Re- just engage in a conversation with the people in your business and you'll be quite surprised what you find out it sounds so basic but it is the one common thread that is through all of these things it's go go and listen to people go and engage and lean in um so yeah a, a, absolutely and you've kind of summarized it wonderfully for us there um paul i do want to say massive 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 thanks i really really appreciate you kind of investing the time um in the morning for us um, here in australia um, just to kind oh, of spend been, some time and go for it. Yeah. to talk. Yeah, yeah it really has. As I say, in, in, our, 
in our lockdown lives. This has been the uh, the highlight of my week so far. So been great to be on here, Ian, and lovely to see you after yeah. many months. And uh, I yeah, look forward to catching up so. in real life. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, for all of our listeners out there, um, what uh, we'd encourage everybody to do, you know, with some of these takeaways or insights that you've gathered um, throughout this, uh, uh, throughout uh, today's interview with, with Paul Sigaloff. Uh, from Yahoo, um, I'd be really keen for you to get in touch. You can find us at uh, www.talentinternational.com um, or you can reach out to us and find us all on LinkedIn. So uh, thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much again. Um, and you have a fantastic day. You too, Ian. Look forward to seeing you soon. Cheers.